Hello, Paul. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to this interview special edition of the Empire Podcast. If you listened to this week's regular episode, you'll know that I'm trying something new with the pod in an attempt to keep the running time somewhere south of 10 hours. Too late. Ha ha ha. Yes, I know. Anyway, one of the things I'm trying is where we have a long interview, and by that I mean 25 minutes plus on the podcast, I'm going to bring you selected highlights or the first 15 minutes or so on the weekly pod, and then the full thing, bar the odd edit, of course, in its own special, which is what this is. And if you haven't listened to this week's regular Empire podcast, well then, now you're all caught up. So... Here is my full interview with Josh Lucas, the star of The Secret Dare to Dream, which is available to rent now in the UK wherever you get your premium video on demand. But Josh Lucas, of course, has had one heck of a career, starring in the likes of Session 9, Sweet Home Alabama, A Beautiful Mind, Hulk, Poseidon, Stealth, J. Edgar, The Lincoln Lawyer, and many, many more. I caught up with him over Squadcast, where we talked about how he's coping with lockdown, about how The Secret specifically appealed to him, about growing older, about Ang Lee, and about the lessons he learned from the time that he had a real crack at becoming a major movie star and just fell short. He was honest, funny, honest, reflective, and did I mention honest? I loved talking to him, and not just because he had his own mic, and was more than happy to switch from Zoom to Squadcast. Other actors take note. Anyway... Here it is, me talking to the guy who is one of the best voices in the business, Josh Lucas. Enjoy. We are delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast in lockdown, of course, by the star of The Secret Dare to Dream, Mr. Josh Lucas. How are you, sir? Uh, Chris, I'm excellent and happy to be here with your your Great Empire Magazine podcast. <laughs> so I know it well. <laughs> I'll do a quiz later on. You can <laughs> see how it goes. I'll get it uh, where are all you wrong. <laughs> so would I. So would I. Uh, where are you in the world at the moment? Because I know that you were in Indonesia. I was, yeah. We came back. Um, we definitely evacuated, like a lot of people, right? It was the day that Tom Hanks got coronavirus, which seems to be a seminal moment in world history. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Tom Hanks has coronavirus. It's serious. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It doesn't matter that I'd been speaking to my emergency room father who was working in a COVID unit. He was like, you need to get out of there right now. Um, oh my I God. had ignored that. But when Tom Hanks had coronavirus, I was gone. Uh, we 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 took a flight out the next night um, and happened to be one of the last flights out of Bali and then flew into Australia um, and were the last plane out of Australia, at least, you know, at that point, but um, for, before they shut it all down. And it was pretty oh surreal, God. as everyone knows, traveling from Asia <laughs> during the middle of it. Um, I, I have to say it was a wild ride. Yeah. But I'm actually on a small island in uh, Washington state, um, the Pacific Northwest called Vashon Island. And I had a pretty amazing moment this morning. Truly. I woke up to the sound of like, and I looked outside my window and there were orcas going by killer whales. (laughs) I could send you, I could send you a video this morning. It was pretty amazing. So we are, we are in a a hellishly wonderful (laughs) coronavirus lockdown. (laughs) This is tremendous. Uh, I'm surprised by when you said orcas. I, I, I thought you were going to say, I hope my window and Tom Hanks was there. <laughs> it's okay. It's over. It's all no, over. Free Willy, literally. <laughs> um, That's amazing. But how, apart from that, how is lockdown life treating you? Are you okay? Have you been healthy? You've been staying sane? That's important. 
You know, I, 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 I sent someone a text like five weeks ago about where, I, what the state I was like, you know, I'm drinking too much. I've gained weight. I'm, I've slowly like letting myself go. Um, and then she asked me, you know, yesterday and I sent her the exact same text from five <laughs> weeks ago and it didn't change one second or one ounce. I, you know, I, I am amazed. I will, I will tell people like, what did you do today? I'll be like, I did press all day long. And the reality was I did 20. 20 minutes of the empire podcast, you know, so like my entire day and I'll feel like I am I'm completely justified by the amount of work that I have done for the entire day <laughs> because I had something to do. Um, that's the big difference. I, I can tell you, uh, most days go by where I don't have a single thing to do. Um, oh my and God. I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a, I must admit I'm, I'm sadly not somebody who is a crazy self-starter from a creative standpoint. I'm not someone who's home writing, you know, the great American novel or the great American mm. screenplay. I, mm. I actually get, um, you know, sort of angry and, and jealous about those people. <laughs> Cause I'm not <laughs> one of them. Um, have you been working at least on the Great American Tweet, the Great American Instagram post? I, I have spent some time doing that. I, uh, I I saw that Reese Witherspoon had done this thing the other day of, of the calendar challenge of the year, of photographs of the year. And so I spent a good half a day finding photographs of myself all from the movie Hulk, all, in different, <laughs> different, all from different phases of, 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 of disrepair as I was slowly getting more and more beaten up by the Hulk. And I decided that it was the best thing I'd done in a long time is <laughs> the most work I've had in months. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. Cause I was, I was, I was going to ask about that actually, because, you know, I was trying to think about what films you could, you could have gone for because you get beaten up in quite a lot of your films. <laughs> it has to be said, but uh, I like, I love that you zeroed in specifically on Hulk. Yeah, no. I actually sent it to Ang Lee because I haven't spoken to him uh, in a very long time. You know, my last not run-in with Ang was I loved working with that man. I, I truly thought he was not just brilliant, but I, I found him to be just a soulful, deeply, you know, gentle a truly possibly even genius creative force. Um, and I don't, that's not a word I use. I think that word's thrown around all the time, but that guy's a different story. And I think Hulk was a very hard experience for him in, in many, many ways. Um, but I really loved working with him and working with him on that film in particular. And then mm. um, we, years later, a couple of years later, I was doing The Glass Menagerie on, on Broadway. And mm -hmm. um, I walked backstage after, you know, maybe the second week of performances. Um, and I walked backstage and Ang comes right up to me and was like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? And in his kind of beautiful broken English, he says, you're just not doing anything like what I would direct you to do or that I think you should naturally be doing. <laughs> and I was like, you know, Ang, I gave him a big hug and said, I agree. And I changed my performance entirely the next day. <laughs> Truly, genuinely, it's a true story. I, I uh, Wow. Yeah, because I so respected his point of view and I knew that at least that particular um, production had gotten kind of off the rails. Um, okay. And okay. Uh, I, I had gone down the wrong path, whether it's, you know, my fault or directorially or a mix of all of it or stylistically, there was so many things going on. Um, but that's the last time I saw him. So I, I sent him my Instagram calendar and uh, I heard right back from him that he said it warmed his heart. So it made my day. <laughs> 
uh, it was an, an effective week of work. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, I was I was beginning to wonder if it actually was Ang Lee or just some phantom that had appeared, and uh, yeah. just to give you a little tip and then disappear into the darkness again. A little um, ghost. Indeed, which in a, in a weird way, Josh, uh, kind of brings us on to the secret because that's a little bit of what happens in the movie as well. That people, sure. they wish for something. It's, it's based on a, the, the very famous self-help book. Uh, so in a weird way, you were practicing it even before the secret came your way. <laughs> you wished for Ang Lee to appear and turn your sure. performance in one direction. And, and lo and behold, he did. You know, I, look, I to, to I believe in, I wouldn't say, yeah, I, I mean, I do, I believe in the secret. What I believe in is I believe in the power of, of positive thinking. I believe the, in the power of manifestation. I'm, you know, you can do it in so many ways. I, I think it can mm. come from um, how you wake up and think about what you want to happen that day. You know, the idea of vision boards and the things that come directly from that movie, or it can come through prayer, it can come through meditation, it can come through, you know, any, there's so many different ways to access, I think, what the, the secret talks about. But, you know, I go back to, to me, the secret really is interesting because it's talking about some of the great thinkers like Socrates and Einstein and, and their, mm. their delve into the power of, of the human mind, really. Um, I go to Viktor Frankl's, you know, mind-blowing book, Man's Search for Meaning and, you know, looking for... Um, a, a spark of positivity or hopefulness inside the Holocaust, you know, being inside a concentration mm, camp. Mm. And, you know, I look for, and particularly right now, I would say we are in times where it is harder than ever to do. Um, and it probably is the, the most important work that, you know, we can do. And I, I definitely do it. You know, one of the things I've done to go to the Ang Lee of it all is that in my career, at least there have been times where I have been clearly focused on what I wanted. And I've been very good about, knowing what that was and 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 asking for it meaning like i would write director's letters i i, I wrote clint eastwood a letter and said I'll, I'll be an extra in your movie um and ended up working with him not necessarily mm. directly because of that but I, I don't know the direct relationship to it i don't you know know if mm. clint eastwood even got that letter but i i've done the same thing with woody allen and never worked with woody allen <laughs> so um there's a lot of directors i've done that with um and one of the things that I would say is hard right now for me, um, and I think for very, very many people, is a question that comes straight out of the secret is how can you ask for what you want if you don't know what it is? And I think it's very difficult right now to know what what you want because the limitations, for example, in my career right now are there is no work. So how do you, mm. you know, how do mm. you say, well, it, so there's a, a weird, I would say, it's not a limitation within the secret, but you have to take the parameters of what's happening within your world into into view as you ask for what you want. So as much mm. as I would love to say, I want to go back to work with Ang Lee on a movie tomorrow, um, you know, that's not really actually happening right now. So, so <laughs> next, year, could, next year. I could make an Instagram post and reach out to the guy and say that that was my work with Ang Lee for the week. <laughs> <laughs> it all counts. It all counts. But isn't there, isn't there, in a in a way, a double edged sword? It's a lovely message, and and it's a, you know, the the emphasis on the power of positivity and positive thinking, and this idea of manifestation. And you know, if you ask for the universe for something, the universe will more often than not hear your cries and and give it back. But isn't there a double edged sword in that people have to understand that they can't just wait for it to come to them; that they have to meet the manifestation halfway if you will. They have to work in, in order to receive some reward. 
look in in there's no doubt what you're saying is true i don't want to get in any way into politics but one thing i think is interesting if you watch this axios interview recently with um i think it was an australian journalist who was talking with trump Mm -hmm. about the idea of you know his his use of positive thinking in sort of Mm. thinking away the coronavirus. I think what what the president is missing dramatically and what is absolutely the double-edged sword is that you have to do the work, you know, like you can't Mm. just you can't just think something, you know, and I think part of the power of at least Rhonda Byrne's book and what the the different scientists and thinkers in that book are constantly talking about is that there's an extraordinary amount of focus that goes into creating your reality and, and being positive and that that focus actually takes very clear work. I think what things like vision boards and, 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 you know, manifestations and all the different things do is that they put your focus in that direction, but then, mm. you know, it's following through on a daily basis. You can't say, I wish coronavirus would go away and therefore I'm not <laughs> going to pretend I'm going to pretend it doesn't exist. You know, yes. it has to then be that you're surrounded by the idea of beating it every day. Right. If you're the president of the United States now in mm. my my case, I think one of the things that I'm struck by with, again, maybe a limitation or an interesting factor with the secret is how often it's very much, um, you know, not just personal, but how often it is uh, based in, you know, financial gain or in, you know, your mm. own individual reward. And I find it interesting that the people I know who have the most positive lives and who are the most, you know, um, sort of advanced souls that I know in my life, they don't necessarily think about their own gain. They think about others. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a really interesting, I'm not just saying that. I mean, it's an interesting delineation that I find, you know, happiness doesn't come, you know, so obvious what I'm saying. Happiness doesn't mm-hmm. come from material gain. It comes from, and I think that the, the, the people I know who use, whether it's the secret or prayer or whatever, that, that have the most um, joy in their life are people that do it for other people. That's kind yeah. of an interesting thing I've started to learn. It helps if there's a, uh, an element of altruism, I yeah. think. And it has to Certainly. be pure. I mean, do you yeah. think there's an element in this character that Bray purely is there for altruistic reasons? He's there. I mean, the beautiful moment in the movie, I find, comes directly out of my own life with my grandfather, where she says, why are you helping us? And he says, because I can, you know? And yeah. that that is a direct um, quote from what the biggest concepts of the book are, but something from my life um, I've spoken a little bit about. My grandfather was honestly quite poor. He had a very hard life. He put metal roofs on buildings in Little Rock, Arkansas in the heat of the South his whole life, um, basically made minimum wage. And honestly, maybe one of the happiest people I've ever met to his dying day. Wow. And the wow. reason why is because he spent every waking second that he wasn't in his garden or making you know, a living um, involved in his community, involved in his church and, and, you know, gardening for other people and driving people around. And I, I asked him, you know, why he did it. And he said, cause it makes me feel good. And I remember I was, I think six, seven years old when, when that conversation happened. And I, I have always been so struck by it. And when my grandfather died, he was a pretty amazing guy because he had um, counseled the dying. He'd actually given communion to the dying all through his community for many, many years. Mm. And when he died, he was, I mean, it was like a celebration. You know, it was so interesting. There was nothing morbid about it whatsoever. And he was in his mid eighties and he basically looked up, look, I'm not a religious person myself, but he looked up and said, Mm. 
Jesus, I'm ready. Take me now. And he died almost immediately. You know, it's like, oh, wow. the, I, I laugh because it's kind of like, you know, the, the mystical spiritual sense of what we all would hope for. And I think maybe he, you know, I believe he earned it. Like, I think that's what it was. He, he had worked so hard in his life to just be a good, happy, positive person. Um, yes. and with no real reason to be, to be honest with you. So I, that's I, incredible. That, yeah, this movie was definitely a, a, a dedication in, for for him in my mind. Mm. Did he get to see you become famous and, and make it as an, an actor? You know, he he well, he did. He was he was around for Sweet Home Alabama, um, and mm. he was he really loved that movie. He, you know, we come from the South as well, my family, and he he loved it. He loved that he got to share that with his extended family, and and you know, I would every time I came over to my grandparents' house afterwards, I would sit down and I would bring a stack. I thought it was kind of silly, but I would bring a stack of photographs and I would write letters to you know all the family and say thank you and hello and you know people I <laughs> didn't know and had never met. And it wasn't fans, it was the family, you know, and it was like, it was very yeah. important to them that I did that. Um, so I, I think it mattered a lot to him, but I don't think, you know, he, he surely didn't change in any way. I mean, his behavior towards me, he yeah. was exactly the same, um, <laughs> except for I, I had a much larger uh, um, amount of work to do when I arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of. Sweet Home Alabama brings us to Andy Tennant, who uh, mm. also directed The Secret as well. And uh, that's a fairly big gap between movies uh, to, in, in terms of working with a director. Um, what a changed for, for both of you? I think the obvious thing is, you know, the clear thing is the obvious thing, which is that we both had grown up um, and, and not that he was, you know, he was an older wise director when I worked with him. And he's an interesting guy. You know, if you go back, he was in the, he was in the, um, the movie fame as a background dancer, you know, he's mm. like a Broadway dancer. Um, so he's been around entertainment his whole life and he'd segued into directing movies. And he was a man who definitely had his pulse uh, uh, on the finger of, um, you know, what audiences wanted. If you look at most of his movies, mm. they, they, you know, we laughed about it the other day to be blunt because he's like, none of my movies pretty much ever have gotten critical, uh, accolades. They've all been commercial, <laughs> basically always been commercial. You know, we were talking about how Sweet Home Alabama, I think had, you know, a 31 rating on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, like, um, and it's, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. If you look at, he said, I think Hitch was even lower and, you know, he went through all of his big successful movies. Really? Um, and we, what we laughed about though was, was that we have been through, you know, the real ups and downs in our careers since, um, real highs and lows. And, mm -hmm. um, that, you know, Andy, uh, like me, has been through some very difficult times in his personal life, um, some incredibly challenging things. And that's what we were able to talk about and, and how we had grown up and how we had mm. um, we had probably I don't want to say less respect for Hollywood, but more appreciation of you know, friendships and family and the things that I think had shifted for us and that we were not or our, our lives were not as oriented as maybe they were back when we did Sweet Home Alabama mm -hmm. to the same ideologies or the same things that we wanted back then. I think that was the big shift. 
it's a, it's a more reflective film. It's a more mature film, I would say. It's obviously not in the same genre necessarily. This is not a, a, a rom-com per se, uh, The Secret. But certainly your character, for example, Bray, uh, in Sweet Home Alabama, you know, Jake was the the live wire. He was, you know, the mm. the you know the sparky guy who who set everything off. And um, mm. uh, and here Bray is much more. He's calmer. He's more mature. He's more reflective, and uh, someone who kind of almost rolls with the the punches of life. Mm. Um, is that something that you know? Is that again? Is that something that that you brought it your yourself? I, I would hope that that's true. I do think that there is. Look, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think there are periods of time where I'm able to do that because I myself am doing. It's such a an annoying thing to say, but I'm doing the work. Meaning, whether it's you know, yeah, you know, whether it's the daily waking up and whether it's staying away from news and social media, you know, all those different things. Whether it's taking care of my body, whether you know, I'm drinking less, you know, like it's just the whole. It's all of it at the same time. And, yeah, and I guess the thing is, is that I've learned over the years that all of that impacts my ability to be you know calm within myself um and i i do think you mentioned early on we went to indonesia my my ex-wife my little boy and i moved to indonesia for one year um to go to a pretty amazing school called green school bali there mm. um and we did it partly to get out of the political madness of this country and kind of get a look back on on America and all the madness that's happening. And obviously, it was way before COVID. Um, and it was it was transformative, honestly, for the same reason that so many people do those kinds of journeys because it made you it made me um, much more grateful and much more contemplative, much more mm. um, it, it, at peace, honestly, in some weird way. And, and also appreciative of the problems of America and the problems that I, my life is that did not exist in Bali that were so different there. Um, and it was just, it was a fascinating, um, transformative, challenging um, period that, you know, here we are back and we would have still been there to be honest, had, had COVID not happened. And, and so now it's a, and, you know, I mean, look, I think like so many people, my day is based in how do I keep myself out of the muck, you know, of my brain? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really. yeah. yeah. You, you can overthink things. You can overthink yourself into a corner mm. very, very easily. Absolutely. There's a there's a, a line in the film as well, Bray. He says, I believe in the possibility that whatever happens, even the bad stuff can lead to better things. And you've kind of touched upon that as well. You've had some, you know, setbacks in your personal life as you as you just mentioned and and your career over the over the years as well. And so when things like that happen, do you follow that mantra? Do you do you believe that this can lead to the good stuff, can lead to the better stuff? You know, I have no doubt that that it can, and I have no doubt that it's really based on how you not trick your mind, but how you how you um, feed your mind. I had this real intense conversation with my son the other day because he was, you know, he's struggling. He's an eight year old boy, and his whole life is friends, mm. right? And suddenly he's not allowed to see his friends, and everything's changed so dramatically for him. And he's, you know, really on a kind of lockdown and. We got to go. We our little COVID bubble includes his cousins. So okay. we went. And, we went and spent a couple hours with his cousins, and and he was very angry that as we left, um, we couldn't just stay. And I said, "Well, you know, man, you have a choice of being angry about the fact that you don't get what you want, in or, you know, in a sense, and it's not. It's a very brave thing to say, or you are grateful for the fact that you got this period of time today with your cousins. And it just sort of struck me as I said it because. 
to go to my career, I think there are some heavy losses that I've taken, you know, huge box office failures or movies I haven't gotten that I've so desperately wanted or even been told I was going to get that then I didn't get. Okay. And I look back at those things and I can tell you they, the, the pain of them sometimes lasted a long time. But as I look back on them, I now am able to understand why it went that way. And, and not just like, again, I say, I, I, I don't want to be Pollyanna, Pollyannish about this. I, I believe that, you know, I can look back on those things and say, I am in a better place and, and would make different choices. That's a big part of it. Like so much of my life, I've, I've, I feel as if I follow my instincts, I'm, I usually do pretty good. And the big times mm. in my life where I didn't is when things went wrong. Um, and mm. I, you know, more and more, I'm somebody who I think searches for what my true instincts are and, and to go to something even bigger, what my true altruistic instincts are for my, myself, my son, you know, and why am I doing the things I'm doing? Is it for, for, you know, my own personal gain? And I can say mm -hmm. the big career choices I've made that have gone wrong. have been when they were very individual choices that, you know, this is going to make me a big movie star and make a lot of money and things that just, it, 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 it always went wrong. <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> was that something that, that you were driving yourself? Was that, were those, were those choices? I mean, for example, if we want to say st Stealth and Poseidon, for example, are perhaps two big movies that didn't quite work out. But those are the, the two that are, I absolutely reference in my head as well. Um, mm. And in both cases, I was um, not just reluctant. I was uh, in both cases, you know, and I'm not blaming anybody. I was talked into both of those movies um, and highly reluctant. And what I did, what I will take complete credit for was that I chose to be talked out of following my own instincts. Um, mm. you know, mm. and I, I remember one in particular where the, you know, head of Warner brothers called me, um, and whether it was just a brilliant manipulation, but I, I, he appeared to be crying on the phone <laughs> you know? and I, I, it, you know, empathetically was like, okay, you know, like, and, and, and the screenwriter who was a friend sent me an incredible, um, case of wine, these weird kind of perfect manipulations that, that worked. Uh, and you know, I, I look back on that was a very, very hard time. And, um, and that I knew going into it, there were certain elements that were not in place. And, you know, I'm, I'm mm. aware that I didn't follow my instincts, you know, and I, 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 mm. I got talked into it. It's no one's fault that they talked me into it, but definitely. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I was watching an interview with you that you did recently. And you said that you were talking about the films that people come up and quote to you and they, you know, they'll, they'll quote Hulk, they'll quote session nine, mm. but they'll quote, stealth that you'll get mm. stealth quotes and that, that always interests me because you know it, it's it's fascinating as a matter of perspective you had i'm guessing not the best time on stealth or mm. subsequently uh but it's still probably someone somewhere's favorite movie so how do you balance that out i think there's a piece to it you know i'll tell you a story i haven't spoken about much with stealth you know stealth is a very interesting it's actually by no it's a flawed film without a doubt. Look, Hulk is a flawed film without a doubt. Mm. You know, I think when you have this huge um, pressure filled financially um, institution type movies, meaning a, a corporation spending hundreds of millions of dollars making them. Um, so there's so many different factors that are going into it. It's very, very hard to get that equation right. And in stealth, the director, Rob Cohen, very clearly said to me, I'm going to make, you know, 
an extraordinary anti-war action film. Mm -hmm. um, and the same day, I think he went to the US military and said, I'm gonna make you guys the greatest recruiting tool you've ever had. And so, you know, it was a, comp a, a perfect way that again, I, I heard what I wanted to hear. I know what I was told. Yeah. Um, and that mm -hmm. movie, weirdly enough, kind of walks that line and fails on both of them and is quite fascinating and quite messy. And, and there's some really great stuff going on in that movie. And I can understand why certain, I find certain people like that movie and why, you know, it's weirdly not something I've really looked back on um, and was a very painful period, but Mm. You know, I, I don't dismiss the, the, the filmmaking, that's for sure. You know, I, I don't, mm. I, 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 I look, I, it's the same thing with, with Hulk, you know, I think Hulk is extraordinary from Ang's film because it, he was able to do life of pie because of it. You know what I mean? Because the yeah. struggle that he did, so he was so deeply immersed in with the Hulk. I heard stories about how he was at industrial light and magic and, and, you know, up in California where they did all the new star Wars and everything. And he was up there pretending to be the Hulk himself, motion capturing <laughs> yes. Ang Lee himself for a period of like six months because they couldn't even, you know, they couldn't pay for anybody. Now no question afford it. They just couldn't get it. He couldn't get it right. So he's yeah. trying to, he was like, if I can't get it right, then no one can get it right. Um, and yeah. my understanding is on life of pie. He did the same thing and he got it right. You know, so. it's incredible. <laughs> Have you never, you've, you've never seen the footage. It's, I think there's a making of, there's a behind the scenes documentary on, on Hulk mm. where you see him. If I remember correctly, he's in his mocap suit, which is mm. just wonderful. Yeah. Uh, pretending to be the Hulk. It's yeah. Yeah. extraordinary. It's beautiful. And, yeah. uh, and and speaking of that, you know, this is where we we started. It might be a good place to to end actually. But again, it's a movie that perhaps wasn't that well received at the sure. time. But I think over time it has been reassessed. Mm. Uh, and as you say, it's flawed. But what Ang was trying to do in that movie and at times succeeded uh, was really ambitious and really really extraordinary. And your character's death scene, mm. I don't know if you're aware of this, Josh, but it has become. A thing. Uh, were you aware of this? You know, I I wasn't aware of what he was doing. I knew what they were doing photographically was incredibly unique, and I knew that there was something going on in terms of his his desire to actually make a a flip book. You know, the way that you turn a a comic book, and that the mm -hmm. the way that the frames of the comic book were actually moving and morphing. And I don't know a movie that has attempted to do it quite as much as that movie. And I no. do, you know, I do know that he wanted to actually make a comic book. And I, 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 I think that as flawed as that movie is, there's incredible success in that, you know, and you even get into the organic things that he's doing with Moss and like the way, you know, the, the, the again, the way that a virus actually, interestingly enough, um, is mm. moving throughout the, the, the inner, you know, physical element of, of the Hulk, but also throughout these things, like, like you said, like moss and like, you know, lichen and, and these things that he, he, he equates to, uh, to, um, transformation, you know, truly yeah. is what it is. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I love it. But. So, um, I just want to zero in on Glenn Talbot's death scene just for a second. <laughs> Please. What was his direction to you? And did you know what he was going for? Uh, you know, at the time, you know, you're, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be blowing up, Josh. You're going, we're going to, you know, throw you towards the camera. And it's basically a, a it's an incredible freeze frame of, of mm. you. So what did he tell you? What was it? What was the direction? One of the strangest and strongest memories I have from that movie is that actual day. We were walking off set and I, I, I looked at him and I could tell that he was very unhappy. 
And I actually thought that he maybe even had like tears in his eyes. And he said, if I could speak English better, I would be a much better director because I could communicate my thoughts better. Oh, wow. And I said, hang, I, I think you're doing a brilliant job. You're, you know, Academy <laughs> Award winning. <laughs> like you're one of our great directors. And he said, no, but I'm not getting what I want. <laughs> and I don't know if that was from me or that was the whole or what it is, but, you know, there was a sense of extraordinary um, pain in, in his creative process, at least at that point. Um, mm. So I, 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 I do, I, look, I'm, I'm not just saying this. I have a feeling that he really, I loved working with him and I think he liked working with me because I was up for anything. I was like, okay, you want me to mm. throw myself towards the camera and, you know, have a, a you know, the, the, I just, I, I was really enjoying being a foolish bad guy in that movie in so many ways. And you look at even <laughs> the no face. There's no at all. Yeah. The, the, my face is like, you know, it's completely <laughs> warped and like, that's not CGI. And I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I also can tell you like, Man, those sequences at the end with Nick Nolte are just extraordinary. You know, they're they're there is that's as amazing as a bad guy performance in, in cinema history. It's too bad that the movie didn't get some of the attention, maybe or or you know, because his you know, man, wow, <laughs> that's that's Nolte at his most ferocious. So yeah, oh yeah, tell me about it. Did did you know, for example, that uh, Ang Lee and Spike Lee were in the same year at film school? No, I did because I know somebody who was in that year who talked about he was basically the boom operator on everyone's movies because he just wanted to learn every position and he really you know didn't speak english very well and everyone was quite confused by how this guy ended up there um so i tell you i can't wait to see what ang does you know next meaning like i know that he's also had a couple hard movies with his last couple you know um mm. um in terms of just their their whether they're com commercial success, uh, critical success, because I think he's attempting to play in a world of genius that he hasn't cracked from certain ways in some of these new films. But I, I would not doubt that he does. I would not in mm. any way doubt that, you know, he pops something out here in the next five years that is, you know, again, a cinema masterpiece. What's next for you? I know in the next couple of weeks over here in the UK, you've got She Dies Tomorrow. Mm, uh, that's a special film, actually. It's a really cool film. Um, an amazing film because we shot it for probably the price of the catering budget on The Secret, which was nothing, not even the catering budget, <laughs> the, the craft. I mean, and The Secret's a small movie too, believe me. Yeah. It's not some big movie. Um, I actually remember, I need to go to the Hulk again. I remember walking on set on the Hulk and they had a sushi bar in, <laughs> at craft service every day. <laughs> you could walk up at any moment on the Hulk set, go to the craft service, and there was a sushi set chef waiting to make you sushi. So... Um, <laughs> Seriously, That's those it. are the, the heady days of, of Hollywood blockbusters. Um, yeah. Man, I don't know what's next. I really don't. I, you know, I, I, I definitely have um, a serious desire to get back to work. Um, and mm. you know, I, I'm someone who loves doing stage work as well. And you know, mm. I know you guys have started to open up theaters over there, but you know, I've heard some talk of here summer twenty one or even late. 20 or early 22 before Broadway is going to open back up. But, um, so man, I'm trying to keep myself busy. I, I, 
I got a piece of property and I'm out digging in the dirt every time I can. And that's kind of, you know, it's, it's my own personal, it's my own, <laughs> my own gardening project, basically. Seeing how far you can dig. Yeah. <laughs> just, just for are fun. You gonna be... <laughs> precisely, precisely. I have no reason to dig this hole, but I have nothing else to do today. So <laughs> I'm going to make my son do it with me to keep him off his iPad. Like the other day, someone said, what do you do? What are you doing with your day? And I said, I'm now in keep my son off his iPad camp. That's my, that, that, I am the, 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 the camp leader director of keep my son <laughs> off his iPad camp. <laughs> well, I wish you all the best. For that. I presume this year you're not doing any, you said, uh, you know, politics, uh, you wanted to stay away from politics, but I presume this year you're not campaigning for, for, for Biden. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, I found a fantastic bumper sticker that I put on the back of my truck. It says any functioning adult 2020. And that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> Josh, you should run for office. I know it's a bit late now, but honestly, I would get behind that. 2024. It's been a pleasure, sir. Chris, thanks a lot, man. I, uh, I, I, I dig what you do. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks very much. Take care. Absolutely. Thank you. And that was Josh Lucas. Our other interview special with Joe and Anthony Russo should be up in two shakes of a lamb's tail. So keep them peeled for that and keep them peeled, in fact, for more specials like this over the coming weeks. And do let me know if you like or dislike this little experiment. The regular podcast is out every Friday, so do please like and subscribe that if you fancy. And we also have our spoiler special subscription channel, which is filled with incredible interviews with some of the biggest names in Hollywood going full spoiler on their biggest movies and occasionally TV shows as well. Details on how to subscribe to that for just a few quid a month are on my pinned tweet at Chris Hewitt on Twitter. Right, that's enough for me. Thank you so much for listening to this. Bye-bye.